It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That's the radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, Brian Broaddus. What, what, what's the correct way to say that, Brian? Because I don't want to make it sound like it, it, like your Super Bowl is former. You're a former scout who won a Super Bowl. So is it former Super no, Bowl? No, man. I think you're doing it fine. I appreciate the fact that you just mentioned it. But <laughs> Super Bowl 31 seems like it was like so long ago. And it's funny when you go back and you like uh, look at highlights. And, and you know, it, this sounds terrible, but with Brett Favre in the news, you know, they show yeah. all the highlights and you're like, oh, okay. And. But yeah, but no, I appreciate you just mentioned the fact that I was a, a participant and a winner. I uh, didn't play, but uh, stood there and uh, sweated out every single minute of that game against the Patriots there in New Orleans. But uh, blessed to be blessed to be a winner on a team that won a Super Bowl. Well, we'll get to the Giants game here in a sec. Cowboys beat the Giants twenty-three to sixteen. I just have two quick questions for Brian. Uh, first. When you were working for the Cowboys, did you ever uh, like flex on on Jerry and them and say like, "Yeah, you have three rings, but mine is newer"? Uh, no, I never flexed on. I, I have a man. One of the funniest stories, and maybe maybe another time with the time when Jerry and I were uh, we were together in Florida, and yeah. I had my Super Bowl ring on, and he had his Super Bowl ring on, and uh, we ran into a young lady who happened to. We were there. Chad Hutchinson was leaving to go to NFL Europe, and I was there scouting. And Jerry was uh, there to say goodbye to to Chad. You know, say have a good season and all that. So we're sitting there having a nice tea, legitimately having a nice tea. We weren't drinking or anything like that. And uh, this girl walks by, very attractive young lady, and she walks by and she goes, she looks at me, goes, "Were you in Hooters last night?" And I go, no, ma'am, I, I really wasn't in Hooters last night. Jerry kind of looks at me, kind of smiles, and she goes, you sure you weren't in Hooters last night? I go, no, ma'am, I, I really wasn't in Hooters last night. I was I was over at a Lee, uh, Leroy Selman's barbecue place eating there in Tampa. She goes, you sure? And I'm like, no, I really wasn't. So she saw my Super Bowl ring, and so I was sitting there, and uh, she goes, oh, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a professional football scout. And she goes, well, that's a nice ring. And I took it off. And she goes, I go, it's a Super Bowl ring. She goes, oh, my God, that's crazy. That's beautiful. And so she kind of looked over at Jerry. And she looked down. And Jerry had his Super Bowl ring on. And Jerry, like, uh, you know, 
typical Jerry's looking up at her and she's like, Oh my gosh, you've got a ring too. And he goes, yes, ma'am, I do. And, uh, and so she goes, well, what do you do? And he goes, ma'am, I own the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> so you talk about a flex. I, she looked at me and I like nodded my head like, yeah, that, that man owns the Dallas Cowboys. She's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize, you know, she Jerry, typical Jerry fashion's like, Oh, that's okay. You know, it's nice to meet you and all that. But yeah, Jerry took his Super Bowl ring off and she looked at it and and, uh, and away she went on her merry way. But yeah, she she didn't know she had met the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And it, it just so happened because one, she thought I was in Hooters and two, we both had our Super Bowl rings on. Yeah, I think the, the big uh, assignment for our listeners this week, find out who was in Hooters in Tampa Bay around 2002 or, or whenever. Yeah, I was with Chad Hutchinson. Yeah, we were sending yeah, try, him off the NFL. Try and track down the Hooters patron. And then last question, and then we'll get we'll get in the game. I'm curious. You you said you didn't get to play, but you were you were part of the, the team. Mm-hmm. What was your what is the contribution you're most proud of to that Super Bowl team? A guy you scouted. Oh, you yeah, no, I was I was a, a college scouting administrator. So what I did was I coordinated where the scouts went, got all the reports. And this is before we really we were just uh, we were getting into working on computers, and and that was something really really new. So you know, getting scouting reports in, getting tape. Uh, you know, my contribution of going out on the road was was minimal initially um, with all that because I was I, I just. I was like, you know, just making sure that everything was in our systems, uh, making sure that uh, that we had, uh, you know, uh, that we're going to the right schools and our you, list. You and everything. Chris Hall. You were yeah, Chris. I, I was Chris Hall of the Cowboys. Yeah, I was coordinating. I just made sure, like I say, I did a little bit of scouting when we had to cover up pro days and stuff like that. And, and it was really a great experience. And that's where I learned. But, man, I, I like overseeing eight scouts around the country and making sure that our board was set. And wow. you know, that's, that's a lot of the things that I learned when I, so the contribution that, you know, I was part of, we, we, well, we, Brett Favre, as we just mentioned, um, as part of the conversation when we traded for Brett Favre, that we as scouts sat down, all evaluated Brett Favre and all had an opinion on Brett Favre and should we do it? Should we not? And, you know, to a man uh, had some really great discussions about trading for Brett Favre in 1992, uh, had some opinions about, uh, you know, with the Reggie White and free agency and that, and, you know, what that was going to entail. And then we added Andre Risen was another thing. I mean, there were there were several guys on that team that the scouts, uh, whether college or pro, had John Snyder, Ted Thompson, guys who have been general managers in the league, uh, had big contributions to building that football team. And that's what you have to have, that you have to have that marriage between your pro scouts going out and finding like a kid like Turpin and your college scouts going out and finding a guy like Tyler Smith. Those are the types of things that help you win, win games. Cowboys win on Monday night football, 23 to 16. They are uh, one of three teams now above 500 in the NFC East as they get ready to take on the commanders. Who would have thought that, huh? I know it's wild. Uh, Brian, what was uh, coming out of this game? I, I guess what was, what was your your big takeaway from it, whether it be a, a specific player, a specific moment, um, or or a positional unit that you thought performed really well? What what was the big takeaway for you coming out of the game? I was terrified of Ojalari and Thibodeau and them coming back with the Giants and then the pass rush. You know, were were they going to come 
and as we like to say, wreck shop on this Cowboys offensive line. Uh, were they going to come in and control the running game? Were they going to come and uh, you know hit Cooper Rush a bunch? Were they going to cause problems? Uh, Aziz Ojolari and Thibodeau, they were not a factor in this football game. Great job by the Cowboys game planning. Great job by them with the scheme. Great job by the uh, by Max protections, chip blocking, one on one stuff. Just overall, you, you can, as good as the Cowboys defensive line played in this game, you could say the Cowboys offensive line was just as good, and they had to be good. And with Ojolari and Thibodeau, that that was the that was going to be the Giants' pass rush for one to have one assist and the other to have one tackle. That is a huge win for Terrence Steele, huge win for Tyler Smith, huge win for Ferguson, Hendershot, uh, guys that chip blocked, uh, Zeke, anybody that had a hand in that, Joe Philbin, you know, anybody that had a hand in controlling that front the way they did, uh, a, a tip of the cap to them in that direction. This is a Cowboys team that we're finding out can run the football really, really well. Um, and we'll talk a little bit next segment about, uh, some of what Kellen Moore had to say about playing behind the chains and, and why the offense has been more successful the last couple of weeks. Um, but, but big takeaway I think is that Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott connection works yeah. really, really well. And something that I think I, I noticed you, uh, I believe you observed it on the post game show. I was listening on the bus and then on the plane back, I was catching up on the post game show. You and Zach Wolchuk did a great job there. Thank you. Um, Something that you uh, were talking about either on the post game show or yesterday on G Bag, the interesting way that it was Pollard closing the game. It was yeah, Pollard who they were trying to get to to you know ice the game with. Yeah, they got to the four minute offense, and that's when you hear the word what I just said that phrase four minute offense. It's you're trying to kill the last four minutes of the game, and it used to be when Cowboy history was a guy like Emmett Smith. They would build a lead. And then all of a sudden they'd get the ball back from uh, their defense would get the ball back. And then now they would go on this four minute drive where it'd be Emmett Smith, Emmett Smith, offensive line, Emmett Smith, uh, you know, Troy Aikman with a simple pass, Emmett Smith. I mean, they, they were working to kill the game. And you would think that you would put Ezekiel Elliott in there to kill the game. And that no, it was Tony Pollard that they put in there. And to your point, I really, really do want to give them a, a, another tip of the cap. They finally figured out how to use Tony Pollard and Ezekiel yeah. Elliott at the same time. They finally figured out that all this years of, you know, well, you know, Tony Pollard forever has been third series of the game. Tony, you get to play until you either you punt or you score. But they figured it out. There is a great mix right now. Zeke comes off the field. Tony comes on. Tony's there for two plays. Zeke comes back on for three plays. Tony comes back on for a play. Zeke for two plays. They've got a great mix right now of how they're using these running backs. And you almost have to look up uh, after they unpile and say, oh, who was carrying the ball there? Was it Elliott or was it uh, was it Pollard? So good job by this, this offensive staff of having a plan on how to use these two guys. Man, I thought one of the things that really stood out to me, um, Cooper Rush, I thought, played pretty well. Uh, sure did. It, receivers didn't do him a ton of favors at times. Jalen Tolbert and CeeDee Lamb both dropped the two deepest balls I think we saw thrown all game. Um, they were there. They should have been completed, I think, both of them. The Tolbert one a little bit more difficult than, obviously, the CeeDee Lamb one, which was wide open in the field. But 
on the CD Lamb front, I got to say, I don't know about you, Brian. I'll, I'll be completely honest. When he drops that ball and he's clearly in his head about it a little bit afterwards, he's he having sure was. Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs having to come over and kind of give him a pep talk on the sideline. He talked post game, said he was still thinking about it later in the game. Um, kind of sitting there a little bit. I don't know about you, Brian, but just kind of going, man, are, are we sure this is the guy? Like, are we sure this is the guy? Because there's a few weeks in a row now where, where it's felt a little troubling. And I think as everybody's just kind of going, like thinking about that question, he comes out there and has to me, the best drive of his NFL career where he has those four catches, gets the tough fourth down conversion a uh, little bit before that had an 18 yard catch on the drive gets that big catch down to the one. And then it's that one handed catch as he, he's fallen back on the back shoulder fade rips his helmet off is yelling at the giants crowd told us afterwards in the locker said, yeah, they pissed me off. I, I wanted to let them hear about it a little bit. Uh, but man, I loved for, for a team that really wants the alpha energy from their receiver. Yeah. I, I think you saw it from CD lamb on that drive. And that was a big encouragement to me that he was able to bounce back. I think there's I think there's some toughness about CD Lamb, and I'm not going to say it's fake toughness, but I think it's a very sensitive guy as well. I think trying he, to reassure himself, almost. he almost has to talk himself into being that he's a number one wide receiver. And this team has a history of number one wide receivers not having to do that. Drew Pearson, I I watched Drew Pearson growing up, never lacked for confidence. Uh, Michael Irvin, I competed against him, never lacked for confidence. Worked with Des Bryant, never lacked with confidence. You know, there's a side of me that believes that CeeDee Lamb has has all the skill in the world, but he almost has to talk himself into believing that he has all that skill in the world. Yeah. And and I I I've seen him hundreds of times catch balls and run after catch in Oklahoma. And you're thinking, like, man, what a dynamic player. And he gets the league. And I think that sometimes that he, when things go bad initially for him, it's a problem because it wears on him. He's, he feels pressure more than most. And I, I, man, that's tough. And when you're fighting it as a receiver and you're not confident that when the ball's coming your direction, some of these guys that I've been with, they put their hands up, the ball goes right there and it just secure as can be. Sterling Sharp was a guy like that, that I was with in Green Bay. You could cover Sterling Sharp with all 11 defensive players, and he was still going to catch that football. That's just the way he played. And that's the confidence. Michael Urban, same way. You could cover him. He was going to catch that ball. Drew Pearson, I mentioned. Des Bryant, they were going to get that ball. With CD, I think it's a struggle. And when it's not going well, it weighs on him. And then you have to almost get him going. And then he makes a play. That fourth down play was huge you know fourth and four Mike McCarthy once again you know we're talking about it you know Zach Wolchuk and I are watching the game and I'm thinking man the defense is playing great punt this ball you know and and, and that's that's not old crusty guy I'm just kind of seeing the flow of the game and yeah. McCarthy once again lines up he gets the Giants to burn a timeout they go to another play but what does he do he throws the ball Cooper Rush throws the ball right to CD Lamb and CD makes a catch a contested catch right at the sticks and it's a first down and you're going, man, okay, here we go. And that's all he really, really needed. And you know what, but there's a side of me, like I said, Bobby, I know it's a long answer. I'm apologizing, but the, I think he, 
I think he has to talk himself into believing that he is as good as he is. And I think his mechanism is I work hard. I prepared for this. I, you know, it's almost like it's, he's, yeah, it's almost like he's looking in the mirror saying, you're good enough to be this. You're good enough to do this. You're good enough to play in this league. You are a number one wide receiver. And when it doesn't happen initially, boy, it's a big, big, big struggle for him to have to get through that. Yeah, and he talked about afterwards that the biggest thing he's learned about being a number one, he told us in the locker, is just like riding the ebbs and flows, recognizing yeah. that it's going to go up and it's going to go down and and people are going to target you and, and try and take you out of the game. Speaking of uh, trying to take guys out of the game, we'll, we'll wrap up the, the recap with this right here. Uh, Micah Parsons, not nearly the same impact yeah. um, that we've seen from him at other times, or, or at least a different impact. He was getting double teamed a lot, a lot, and and – you know, they, they were playing him more as a traditional linebacker than I think we've seen the first two weeks. Uh, that running he, game. We talked about that running game. Had to choke he, that thing. Yeah. He was big in the running game, played 10 snaps in coverage, which was more than he played the first two weeks combined. Um, but also standing at his locker afterwards. I mean, you know, it's 20 minutes after the game. A lot of the guys have showered, pretty them, prettied themselves up for the flight. Micah Parsons is still sitting there with sweat just pouring down his face yeah. after he's dressed and showered. Uh, I think he was pretty exhausted. I don't know if you could see it. It looked to me like he was sick. He looked pretty yeah. good out there on that football field. Yeah, Micah Parsons on a couple different levels. The the il- the illness he was dealing with, uh, the knee, the toe. There's a lot of things going on that he's playing through right now. And you know, um, I, I, I it was a it was one of those games they but they had to have him. You know, they had to have him because just his presence on the field opens up stuff for Tank opens up stuff for Armstrong, opens up stuff for Osa Odigizawa. You know, it opens up stuff for Barr, Vanderesh. I mean, the, it's the amount of attention that's paid to that number 11 on a daily basis in a game is immense. And I really, really like the fact that everybody that I mentioned showed up to help him. You know, he... He might not have been, he, he might have been a 70% player in that game, but everybody else played at 110 and they were able to get things done, control the running game, the pressures that Daniel Jones faced throughout, the coverages that they had, still had some of those penalties that you shake your head at, you know, the, 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 the Jordan Lewis defensive holding penalty, an excusable penalty. You know, Kelvin Joseph, you get a chance to play in a game, you get a face mask penalty. You know, these are things that can happen. But overall, though, Dan Quinn's troops did a great job of, of controlling that giant offense. And they, they lack weapons. But, man, they – the Giants – and you remember we had uh, you know, John Smoke on. They were, they were very complimentary of their offensive tackles in this game. And their offensive tackles struggled. And yeah. so that, that's, a, that's a good sign for Cowboys going forward defensively. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Brian, uh, it is Wednesday, uh, which means the Cowboys are pre- preparing for the Commanders, but it is also uh, our producer Peyton Russell's favorite day of the week because it's half price boneless wings at Boomer Jacks. Uh, Peyton, big fan of the the boneless wings. Uh, we're still trying to bring him into adulthood. Tuesday is more my day at Boomer Jacks. That's uh, half price traditional wings, bone and wings. Uh, you know, I'd like to eat them like an adult, like a man, caveman, right off the bone right there. Uh, but regardless of what your preference is, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, go get you some half price wings at Boomer Jacks. That is the spot. Wall-to-wall TVs. Live music, great spot, uh, cold drinks for the family, uh, you know, friends. If you're out there with coworkers for happy hour, it is the perfect spot. Like, like I've told you guys before, coldest beer I've ever drank in my life is at Boomer Jacks. There are 17 DFW locations, so I'm sure there's one near you if you're in the area. You can find your location at BoomerJacks.com. Brian, we had a coordinator talk at the Star on Tuesday. Uh, just getting some insights from the defensive and offensive coordinator. Uh, where would you like to take it first, Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn? Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Okay, so Kellen Moore. Uh, first thing I, I thought that was interesting that he talked about, the the question was asked about why has this offense had more success in the last couple weeks, and, and what do you think has been a big part of that? And, Brian, he said that he thinks a big part of the reason why the offense has been able to succeed more against Cincinnati and against the Giants is the fact that they're they're staying ahead of of things on second down. They're not in these big second and long situations. Uh, he said, I don't know how many times we were in second and long against Tampa Bay, but I know it was a lot. So I had to go back and look at it. Uh, times they were in second and eight plus, Brian, against Cincinnati and the Giants combined, it was uh, 19 times. Against Tampa Bay, it was 18. Yeah. So they were in second and eight plus 18 times again in that game that's quite a bit and it's really hard to I think call your game efficiently the way you want to when you find yourself in those situations means a lot of times that you're not producing on first down um against Cincinnati they were averaging uh about five yards per play on first down against the Giants they were averaging eight and a half on first down against Tampa Bay they were averaging two and a half on first down yeah not a way to win football games in this league uh, but just interesting to hear him talk about that. Brian, your thoughts. Do, do you think, do you agree with him? That's a big part of the success they've been able to have, which this offense is not going gangbusters or anything yet, but it's improved. And do you, do you think that's a big reason for the improvement is just having more success on first down? I think it's a big part of it. You know, staying ahead, the change is always the cliche uh, phrase that we use when we're doing pre and post game shows. You know, they pregame, you're always like, they got to stay ahead of the change. And then post game, you go, man, they did a great job of, winning on first down, you know, you always say that. The thing I think, though, the biggest reason why I feel like that this team is having success on offense the last couple of weeks, I think they're getting improvement from or improved play from young guys that that didn't have a lot of experience when they played against Tampa. You know, you look at what Tyler Smith, there were so many questions about Tyler Smith coming in to the Tampa game. How would he play? You know, Farniak now having to play. I mean, there's guys, Noah Brown, there's guys out there that are that you just really didn't know how they were going to respond, how they were going to react, how they were going to perform. And now they're starting to you're starting to see some of the results of that. 
uh, these tight ends, Ferguson, Hendershot, you're seeing them improve along the way. Terrence Steele has gotten better. I, there's nobody been more critical on Terrence Steele than me. Terrence Steele has played very well the last couple of weeks. You know, that that's what you have to have. It, it Yeah, to stay ahead of the change is one thing. You look what they're talking about. They've been a little bit with the, the rotation with the running backs. You know, on first down, you hand the ball to Tony Pollard, and it's a six-yard game. You hand the ball to Zeke, it's a five-yard game. You hand, you know, there's things that are happening. Uh, you know, you look at what, what it put Jason Peters in for the plays that he was in. First play he's in, boom, you know, big run. You know, third and 12, you know, Kellen Moore, great play call. Think you're going to throw the ball? No, you're going to run a toss sweep, and the Giants are left on their heels for a 27-yard run. No, there's a lot of things that, you know, winning on first down is great. It, it, it's huge. But I think overall, they've got a quarterback that's been very steady, uh, very calm in the way he plays. He's been very clutch in the way he's played. But those players that you had questions about going into the Tampa game are starting to pay some dividends for you as with growth the last several weeks. Tony Pollard, the last two weeks, averaging seven yards per attempt on first down. There you go. Yeah, so, going really well there. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, something I looked up this morning, he has, out of all the running backs in the NFL who have at least three attempts on third down this year, Ezekiel Elliott's the only one with a 100% conversion rate. There Ezekiel you go. Elliott has converted every single third down attempt he's had. I think that's what Cowboys fans have wanted to see for a long time. Early downs, let's get the ball to, to Tony Pollard, let him pick up some chunk yardage, get you in some more favorable spots. When you need to convert those third and two, third and three, then you look to Ezekiel Elliott. And it seems like that's what the Cowboys are really leaning on right now. No, they're doing a great job. And the it's not balanced, but it's what it is, is they're figuring out a way to use both of the backs. And maybe it's like, like I said, you know, third and 12, I don't think I'm running a toss sweep with Ezekiel Elliott, but they did. You know, oh, I don't think I'm going to kill a game in the last four minutes with Tony Pollard. But they did. You know, that's, that's to me, that is creative play calling. That's knowing your personnel. You know, that's the thing. Maybe Mike McCarthy has had some influence in this. Hey, think about running the ball here. Hey, this timeout. No, don't call that play. Call this play. You know, maybe this is they've kind of figured some things out. And I, I think, you know, when, we, when you get Dak Prescott back, I think that's the carryover. I think the carry. I hope that Dak Prescott benefits from a better Tyler Smith at left tackle than he than he had at Week One. I hope he gets a better uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott than he had in Tampa in Week One. I hope that Noah Brown plays just as well as he did, you know, in these other games that he did. You know, and we'll see what he, the improvement from Tampa. You know, that's that's what you hope for. That's where the offense. I think the play callers had a good little run. I think some of the players that they thought had question marks are actually showing, again, that dividends. And maybe Dak Prescott will benefit for that when he gets back in the lineup. Before we jump to what Dan Quinn had to say, Kellen Moore, big praise for Jason Peters, not just what he did on the field, yeah. but also what he's shown as a leader, um, somebody that's been a, a big help to Tyler Smith and his development acting as sort of a third offensive line coach along with Joe Philbin and Jeff Blasco. Uh, but your thoughts in general on the 14 snaps that Jason Peters played at left guard? I always saw one snap, Bobby, where I felt like that he was in the wrong, and it ended up being a long run. It ended up being the third and 12 run. That, you know, it, it, When I watched him, it was, it was like there was a little bit of hesitation. Everybody took a hard step to the left to, to make it all go, and then he – 
he was kind of like, I'm not sure the play call. So he kind of caught his guy and then they were able to get the ball out on the edge. But when you talk about pass protection, this, you know, I was worried a little bit about the lateral slide going inside. Uh, but man, it wasn't, you know, it, it, he looked better at guard than I ever thought he would. And, you know, the, the discussions that he's had, I know that Nick Eatman had a, a talk with him uh, after the game. And, and Nick, when I was on with Nick with Cowboys break uh, yesterday, uh, he was saying that Jason was saying, hey, this is my preseason game. This this was my preseason game. The snaps he got, that's my preseason game. So I have a feeling that we're going to see more of Jason Peters in these games. He told Nick he could have played the whole game, but he says, I'm glad I just played the snaps I played because – Again, it's about ramping this thing up, and they're going to need him uh, if, if he can if he could be just a stable factor in this blocking scheme, and it can help Tyler Smith. I asked you this question yesterday on G Bag Nation when you came on with our segment with us. The, I asked you, I said, is is it having having Jason Peters next to Tyler Smith? Is it's that how beneficial is that? And I I believe that with my heart that having that influence that Tyler Smith knows to his right, he has somebody that has his back, has experience, and if he messes up, he's there to kind of clean up the mess for him. Regardless of injuries and health and and whatever else, if this is a fully healthy unit, meaning Tyron Smith and Connor McGovern are healthy, do you think the left side of that line is still Tyler Smith and Jason Peters at the end of the year? Man, I tell you what, I uh, if that's the case – then I'm thinking about moving. Uh, I'm moving uh, Connor McGovern maybe to center, or they're taking some reps at center for him because you know, yeah, they 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 did a great job. My my best five are not their best five, and or where they play their best five is not my best five. But they've done a they've done a great job. I, I cannot fault them for that. Uh, to answer your question, I have I, I had somebody tell me the other day that Tyron Smith is really coming along well, that his, that his, his rehab and all that's coming. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I say that up to project. I, it's tough to project, but I think t- Tyron Smith is after the season is done. I think they found their left tackle. Yep. I think they just ride this thing. You know, it's much like we talk about when you ride the Cooper rush thing. Well, probably not a quarterback, but at left tackle, I think I would ride this thing until, you know, until because when is when is when is Tyron Smith going to come back? Is it December? December at the earliest. And, you know, and if you're rolling well with Tyler Smith there and he's playing next to Peters and Peters is healthy and all that, man, that offensive line is hard to it's hard to when they're playing well together, it's hard to to put got pull guys out, put guys in there. You don't want to mess up that continuity at all. But I I would say that they're going to keep they would keep the the line the way it is until until proven wrong. I, I we'll talk about Dan Quinn really quickly here to to finish things up. I thought he had an interesting discussion yesterday about they gave up a lot of yards to Daniel Jones on the ground. Yeah, he mentioned that that was something that he had some concern about. He knew that Daniel Jones is a good athlete that they like uh, you know getting him some opportunities to run the ball, but also he was able to break the pocket and and run. That was something they struggled with with Joe Burrow. And he said it gives them another opportunity to – he said it's part of the fun part of coaching for him, actually, is that it gives him something else to, to work on and something else, a new challenge to go after. He said the previous week, 
Joe Burrow breaking those runs. They had the two late hit penalties. Yeah. So said one of the things they went through last week, they studied tape of how are other teams across the league taking down quarterbacks in the open field? What's getting flagged? What isn't getting flagged? How are teams, you know, what are the, what are the, you're closing. So you try to pull up on a quarterback slide. What contact is getting flagged and what isn't? And so he said they really worked on that, and he was proud that they they responded well to that and got a good idea of what the standard is for for bringing down a quarterback in the open field. Is that you know we we talk about you know the the other and and we can couple this up a little bit. He talked about one of the advantages he thinks he has this year is it's not experimentation anymore. He knows right. what guys do well. That last year when they had success, a lot of times it was just trial and error, and now he feels like he's got a good grasp on what do my guys do well. So between that and also studying little things like what kind of hits get you flagged, let's study this in the in the tape room this week. Um, when fans have asked for a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan, and man, why can't we have that guy here? Um, that's the offensive side of the ball, clearly. But on the defensive side of the ball, it feels like they have that guy in Dan Quinn. They do, they do. And you know what? And speaking of running quarterback, in you know, in a few weeks, they're going to have to deal with Jalen Hurts. Yep. with Phil with Philadelphia. So if the, the quicker you can clean that up, the the better off I think you'll be uh, yep. in the long run. Uh, but yeah, I, I I have complete confidence in Dan Quinn. I really do appreciate guys like Tom Dimitrov, who was the my buddy Tommy D. He was a general manager in Atlanta, and he says, "Listen, you're going to love the coaches that that you know that you know the Aiden Durdies and Joe Witts and Dan Quinn. He goes, you're going to love those guys." He goes, we are a half away of a Super Bowl from all still being here working in Atlanta. You know, if they if they win that Super Bowl, Dan Quinn probably doesn't lose his job. Yeah. But but he but but Tommy D told me, Thomas Dimitrov told me, he goes, You are going to love the way these guys teach. You're gonna love the way they prepare, and you're gonna love the way that that they they go about their jobs. And he has not been wrong one bit about Dan Quinn and what he and him and his staff. Uh, bring uh, to this defense. One of the the things I like that Dan Quinn said on Tuesday, talking about you know Demarc Lawrence's mindset. He he said you know look I know D Law can be kind of the forgotten man. He's like I assure you he's not forgotten here in this room. He's not forgotten in the opposing coaching staff rooms across the league. Uh, but one of the lines I like that he had last yesterday was he said toughness is a talent too. That we talk about certain talents that guys have, and he's like, toughness is one, and, and and we probably don't talk enough about that as being a a trait or a talent that somebody has. But uh, D Law has that in spades, and and he's a guy who's got edge, competitiveness, toughness, and it sounds like to me, we'll be completely honest here. Demarcus Lawrence, I, I think, didn't succeed as a leader when they asked him to step up as a leader a few years ago, um, and, and I think if you got him in an honest moment, he'd probably tell you the same. That look, I, I didn't you know, lead the way I should have. And I think he learned from it. And it sounds like from Dan Quinn, he's bounced back and is a real leader that helps teach guys, hey, these are this is how we work. This is good work. This is bad work. This is what we do here. And I think that that's encouraging, especially after you see a three-stack game from Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, it was a it was a big game for him. And, and man, he broke down Evan Neal. And Evan Neal is a good young tackle and deserved to be picked where he was picked by the Giants. And in the future, he will be – He'll be something you have to deal with over there. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, that's the thing. I, I think that the fact that Tank, you know, now with Micah here, and, and Micah is like the focal point of this defense. Michael, Micah is the the guy that everybody talks about. And that used to be Tank. And I think that Tank, 
I think he's okay with that. I think he's okay with playing in the shadows and 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 working uh, how he is. I mean, I say playing the shadows, but you talk about the leadership stuff. I think he's always kind of been a leader, but I think that there was a lot put on him, but there was a lot put on him because of his contract too. And so, you know, now that Mike is here, you know, there's so much focus on him that that Tank can go about his job and 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 do it without having that spotlight completely on him. You know, him, I, I, I'll say this. I, I, the reason why I thought Dorrance Armstrong was going to have a really good year is because of the defensive line coach. You know, it, with, with their D and then with also Dan teaching over there, these guys have gotten better up front. Now, I'll say this. I, I don't, you know, need to get Neville Gallimore going a little bit better. I mean, there's some things that, you know, there's a couple that need to get done a little bit better. Sam Williams, I mean, he had the penalty, but man, Sam Williams bust his ass to get the balls, you know, to try to do things. You know, that's because of these coaches and that's because of, you know, the guys inside. I think Tank, getting back to him, I think he's embraced the coaching here late in his career and it's realized that it's helped him. It's helped him uh, achieve some of the things that we saw the other day. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite part of the show, and uh, that's to uh, thank Boomer Jacks for, for sponsoring Love of the Star. Uh, Boomer Jacks, of course, it, it is the best spot for cheap eats and drinks. You can take in any game you need there. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, awesome atmosphere. And on Tuesday and Wednesday specifically, half-price wings. And so if, if you're a big wing guy or gal, you need to go hit up Boomer Jacks on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'd say. Tuesday with the bone-in, Wednesday with the boneless. Brian, you a bone-in or a bone-out guy? Bone-in guy, for sure. But I also want to say something, too, Bobby. If you're if you're one of those guys or gals that's coming in for the – the game against the commanders this weekend, you know, Hey, you know, hit Bobby and I on Twitter. Yes. Uh, let us know that. Uh, we love when we, when you're at Boomer Jacks, they've got all your college games. They've got great food, go in there, hang out. They'll be good on your pocketbook as you're, uh, cause you're going to need all that money at AT&T stadium the next day. So <laughs> yeah, just uh, hang out at Boomer Jacks, let you know you're there and uh, we'll give a shout out as well. Absolutely. So Boomer Jacks, the spot for you, uh, go, go check them out this weekend for the college football games. It's a wonderful spot. You can find your uh, location, 17 DFW locations at boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, now it's time for our favorite segment of the show, uh, the Twitter mailbag, where we get to talk to our listeners a little bit. Uh, first question here, let's go with uh, Ryan. 
And I know you addressed this one on Twitter a little bit, but I'll give you a chance to talk about it here on the air as well. Uh, He says, has Joe Philbin earned back a little respect with how the semi-disaster scenario offensive line has played? While the decisions have been questioned, the results have been positive, better than the end of last season, better than most expected. You know what, Bobby? I answered his question. I just said, let me answer this question right now. So I'll answer. I answered it on Twitter, and I answered it for you here right now. Absolutely. You know, Joe Philbin, again, been very critical of of some of the things that they've done offensively. didn't always agree with uh, how they were playing some of the guys, maybe some of the development of some of the guys. But you have to give him credit for what's going on again with Terrence Steele at right tackle, who I've been, again, very critical of. You have to give him credit with Tyler Smith. Now, I will say this. There was some thought about that Joe Philbin, and I'll repeat this, that maybe in the uh, in the drafting process that Joe Philbin might be like some other players over Tyler Smith. And maybe some guys in the scouting department were saying, hey, you know, no, Joe, you, you should really, this is a guy. And then the head coach stepped in. So, you know, Joe Philbin coming around, but Joe Philbin also probably has a hand in what's going on with Jason Peters. He also has a hand in what's going on with Tyler Biotish, you know. So, yeah, I, I, you have to give him absolute credit. You know, this offensive line could have looked like Cincinnati's and the Giants, and it hasn't. And, and you have to give the line coaches both credit for that. Yeah, and look, I think that another aspect that deserves some credit for is obviously like we talk about veterans like Jason Peters that they're able to step in and help out there. There's also guys out there like, uh, you know, Duke Manyweather, friend of the show here, uh, who, who do a great job giving these guys some some supplemental coaching and, and some yeah. assistance during the offseason with, with the way the CBA rules about what kind of coaching they can receive when, you know, they're in the offseason mode. Um, I'm curious when when you were scouting when you were doing things was that common were there were there oh no yeah that were able to work with guys during the off season and stuff like that yeah coaches are phobic about this and I haven't been you know I uh, 2005 was the last time I was in a front office so again a long time ago sure. but I we we really didn't you know you really didn't want anybody messing with your players. You know, you really didn't want, I know back in the day, way back in the day, like the Brett Favre's that I was with and Mark Burnell's and guys like that, you know, they they didn't have extra coaches. They weren't going, you know, the guys like, uh, a name that just pops in my head is Tom House, who the former Major League Baseball relief you know, pitcher. And, and I Tom, with. Yeah, Tom, Tom, you know, when Tom came along, you're like going, what? You know, the one thing that we were okay with were the speed coaches. You know, there were these speed coaches around the country that guys went and worked with, and you're like going, okay, well, maybe that will help. But when you're starting talking about mechanics and, you know, how you set a pass set or how you throw a ball, that was that was really kind of frowned upon. And nowadays it's it's more accepted that, you know, there's more than one ways to do these things. You know, if somebody comes in and gives you, if Duke has a great idea on a pass set or a kick and a slide and a hand placement thing, by all means, if, if you could get better doing that, if it improves because of something, uh, a technique flaw that you see and you can improve, by all means, let's go for it. 
Well, and especially with the network of offensive linemen that a guy like Duke has created, where he's got other linemen across the league. Was that, again, similar point? See, yeah. Were there, like, all pro offensive linemen who were, like, all gathering together from different That's crazy. That's crazy to me because I would have never, ever, ever believed that Reggie White would have pulled together all the great pass rushers in the league. Von Miller's son. Von Miller. Von Miller. It's like, like these tight ends have figured out, listen, Hey, let's all get together and talk about how to beat tight ends. And even if it's at the expense of your strong safeties or linebackers that are covering these guys, yeah, you know, and, and that that is something that we would have never, ever, ever. You 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 saw guys get together at the Pro Bowl and talk and and have fun and kind of visit with each other, but not to the point where hey, let's all gather in Los Angeles and have a pass rushing camp. Yeah, you know, I mean. That in itself is, and the teams, I've never asked anybody if they are bothered with that because I can say, Von Miller, to go learn from Von Miller, if I'm Dorrance Armstrong and I get to go to Von Miller Pass Rush School, and, but then I'm playing, you know, but then I'm playing the Bills and I'm wearing out their tackles with Von Miller Pass Rush technique stuff yeah. that I learned, man, that that as a, as a scout or a front office guy, I'd be like, well, I'm happy that, Vaughn Miller is on our team, but why is Vaughn Miller telling young players how to play against our tackles? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I guess with all these networks now, oh. it's, it's balanced out because all the tight ends are learning from each other, the offensive linemen, the defensive line. So there's enough like cross. They're, they're all scheming against each other. Is what yeah. So now you're, you're, you're yeah. Level get the, playing field, I guess. Yeah, we're gonna get the we're gonna get the Tyron Matthews safety school where they you know okay yeah, we, they're gonna get guys. When are, we, when are we going to get the Brian Broaddus Scouting School? Well, they've got scouting schools that are actually pretty good. Brian Broaddus Scouting School. When are we getting that one? Man, I am uh, – you know what's funny? I'm so much out of the loop on, uh, like, the metrics and the analytics and stuff, and I'm trying to learn about that stuff. But, man, my scouting school is so much about tape, you know, and watching that and really, the, you know, I, I grew up in a, an era where measurables were big. But man, you, you get you, the measurables. I, I never in my lifetime dreamed that a five-nine quarterback would get drafted first overall when you see a guy like Kyler Murray. Yeah, and so I, that would have never happened in in nineteen ninety-five for sure. Question from Paul: What can Kellen and company do to take this offense to the next level when Dak comes back? Rush has been good, and yeah. the defense keep us close, but we need to be scoring more than twenty points per game if a yeah. playoff run is the goal. Well, you don't need to be scoring more than 20 points a game if you're only giving up 19 or so. So, yeah. Yeah. Three three games in a row with quarterbacks. Uh, you know, if you, you think about it, you know, with Brady, 200 something yards, 200 and change. Joe Brady, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Brady, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, under 200 yards passing. This Daniel Jones, under 200 yards passing. You know, yeah, it's yeah. You have to score more. Absolutely, you're going to get in some games where it's a shootout. Taking the game to the next level, I've said it before. I think your running backs are starting to play at a really high level. They figured out how to use them. You got guys like you know Ceedee Lamb. If he plays like he did in the second half of that Giants game, I think you got something there. You know, look what look what look what's going on with with Brown. You know, guys like that. I mean, the offensive line improving. You're going to get guys back. You're going to get healthier players. I I think this could only bode well. You know, Dak Prescott had to play with a bunch of question marks on, you know, against Tampa. 
these question marks have kind of grown up for him a little bit here the last uh, three weeks and four weeks. I mean, they're probably one more game without, you know, Dak playing. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens against the Rams. I, I just feel like that the play caller's gotten better. The players around Dak have improved, especially the ones that had the biggest question marks about them. And we'll see. We'll see if, in fact, it's going to be up to Dak to have to go along. He's going to have to show that, you know, he got better because he wasn't good enough against Tampa. Not at all. And there's and there's going to be question marks. If he gets in this Rams game and they go out there and lose and look bad and the offense looks bad and they don't do anything, there's going to be question marks. And then Philadelphia the following week, and it happens again, there's going to be even bigger question marks. And Jerry Jones was talking about a quarterback controversy. I'm sorry to say this, Mr. Jones, you now have a quarterback controversy. If you go to if, – if, if Dak Prescott plays against the Rams, they look bad, and he plays against the Eagles and they look bad, then you're going to have a quarterback controversy. I think one of the ways that the offense can improve once Dak returns is uh, obviously Michael Gallup coming back. But uh, yeah. gosh, Jalen Tolbert's got to be better. They, they, they've got to – I think they need – a vertical passing threat, and they don't have one. Right Dalton now. Schultz with two tight ends. You know, let's get you know get Ferguson, get Hendershot, get all these tight ends more involved. You know, I mean, heck, you can you can get in twelve personnel and still throw the football, especially with these tight ends. You can. Question from uh, Brandon Laurie here, uh, and this one kind of blends into my point about the offense improving. Is there any position you would trade for to help this roster after evaluating it three weeks into the season? If so, what would you give up, player or pick? I would be all for finding a vertical threat receiver. It doesn't have to be a stud, but go for, like, like I don't need to go trade for DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel or somebody like that, but I do need to trade for somebody that I can trust on to stretch the field, somebody I can take a shot with occasionally. Um, it, can, it can be a, 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 like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, go get me a Ted Ginn. Just get me somebody who can go, like, vertical down the field. Deshaun Jackson kind of player? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson. Just somebody who once or twice a game I can take a shot down the field and feel like I've got a, I've got a chance there because that's what this offense is really missing right now, I think, is the ability to stress the third level of the defense. Like, Would you have felt different if CD caught the ball and Tolbert caught the ball? Um, no, because, I mean, that's still just two – Man, that those were two. I mean, that that play that that play designed that CD. Go, I know you went back the all twenty-two. Go look at the sideline copy of how that ball, what they did to get the ball to CD on that play. I mean, yeah. it was. I mean, you had Noah Brown in, you had Henderson, you had everybody blocking for every state in to block. And man, it was it was well protected, and it and the route, the way the combinations, it was a it was so well designed. The only thing that was bad about that route was the finish. That's the Absolutely. only thing. And they, they're capable of throwing the ball like that. They're capable. But, man, you've got to finish. I mean, I understand what you're talking about taking the deep shot. They took two deep shots that should have been caught. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that, that, was, that was two big, big, big plays that should have been made in that game. So, to me, I don't think they lack it. I think they just need to finish what they have. That's you – know, I'm. I, that's a great question, by the way, because I was trying to think what the defensive tackles, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of just wishing. I mean, I know that. I, I, think, know he's that, been good, I, think. I think he has. I just don't know if everybody else has been good. That's, 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 I, that's I, I mean, Bohanna had a play the other day and maybe your one technique is not supposed to be Booger McFarland or somebody like that making all those plays or, or uh, Vita Vea or something like that. 
You have been listening to the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, we will be coming at you with another episode tomorrow, two days in a row, Love the Star. Uh, we'll be previewing the Commanders a little bit more. Uh, I know Brian and I are going to uh, get as, as polished up on the Commanders as possible. Until then, we will uh, talk to you guys tomorrow.